One thing I learned about the Bible Institute, all those people, there's only one guy in your church with a Pretoria beard. <laughs> the rest of you all got wussy beards, bro. <laughs> Where's that guy with the big beard? He's a, he, is he coming tonight? You'll fit in in our church. It's good to see you. I've got my sister here and her fiance. Uh, it's not her fiance yet, but just hurry up, my mate. <laughs> How long are you going to take, bro? <laughs> yeah. So, I've got my son's boss, my sister, your fiance, my beautiful wife. I've been uh, part of your church for many years. I've journeyed with you. Uh, my favorite thing was doing a women's meeting because uh, there were no men there, so I had the men's toilets all to myself. It was awesome. Like, I, I got invited to do a women's meeting. You remember that? It was a whole lot of fun, eh? So, um, you guys are in a building project, and um, we've just finished the building project. <laughs> God bless you. I just wanted to say that, God bless you. That's my sermon. Just God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. I'm so pleased ours is finished, <laughs> and yours is only just um, getting into its heyday. But it's, uh, I've, been, I've served God for 30 years, and um, there are only three times in my life that God has made a demand upon my finances, and there's three building projects, and you're about to go into that, and it's become the biggest nightmare of your life, or it can be seen as one of the greatest privileges that God can afford you. And so I want to say to you, I thank God that he's given me the privilege of coming under his restriction three times in 30 years. And uh, building projects have got nothing to do with money. God doesn't need your money to build a building. He's got the money. He just chooses to use your money to build a building. And so don't kick out and think, well, Rory's going to raise money. I can't raise money. I hate raising money, and we're not taking up an offering after I've preached. But I trust that you are deeply convicted by the processes of God as we do this. The first time we built a building, my wife was pregnant with our daughter, Nasia. It was in Durban. We didn't have a whole lot, and um, we felt like we needed to lead the building project from the front. And my daughter was born the same week that we opened the church. And so everything that was meant to go into my daughter's bedroom and everything that was going into the preparation of her life, like, you know, we dream all those things, went into the church. And uh, I lived with an enormous amount of regret because I thought the church demanded something that was very personal. And so my daughter came back to a bedroom that was the same color before my wife fell pregnant and she had the cot that my son had. And so there was nothing special about it, and we celebrated her birth, and we celebrated the opening of the church. But as time wore on, I thought, surely, God, you can do both. And then I started to live with a little bit of, sometimes the church can make an incredible demand on our lives. But when she met a boy, he came into my house, I put a list on his bed of 10 things the first time he stayed with us. The first thing said, I don't like you. The second thing said, if you do anything to my daughter, I will do it to you. Like if you stick your tongue in her ear, I will stick my tongue in your ear. <laughs> so, so he came out looking absolutely white. He said, you mean this? I said, every bit of it. 
He said, can I sit down with you? I said, sure. So we sat on the veranda. He said, I'd like to date your daughter. And he said, this is the promise I'll make. I will never, ever enter her bedroom until the day that I marry her. And I was praying one day and I felt God say, 23 years ago, you reaped, you sowed your daughter's bedroom. And 23 late, three years later, you reaped a holy fiancé. I want to tell you this, friend, no cent that you ever spend in the kingdom of God or the building of his church is ever in vain. No cent you ever spend is in vain. And that man is married to my daughter now. He married her as a virgin and him as a virgin. And you think, Roy, is it all about that? It's not all about that. But I just know this, that in the midst of us trying to build the church as best we know how, I reaped something way beyond the greatest imagination I could have had. And so God is putting you in a building project. And I want to tell you the issue is not financial. You say, Rory, take up. the issue is not financial. The issue is spiritual. God will use financial means to teach you spiritual lessons. But the issue is spiritual, not financial. And so I thought I was a good leader. And I got up in front of the church and I shared the vision. And we're going to build this building, our whole building with all our furniture. It cost 91 million rand. And six weeks after we started, we went into COVID. For seven or eight months, we never met as a church, but the building payments just kept coming, kept coming, kept coming, kept coming, kept coming. And when we finished, the building project was paid for. And people say, how did you do it? I said, I've got absolutely no idea, but I want to share with you our journey. So that you don't panic and think, how are we going to raise 30 million rand to take the next phase? You don't have to. The money's already raised. We have to ask God to release it. So it's not, a, it's not a manipulation, it's not a cheerleading that we need. It's just getting before God to bring my two fish and my five loaves and to give them to Jesus and let him multiply them. Amen? And so I thought with my leadership style and with my leadership gift and my charismatic personality in Pretoria East that we would raise 15 million rand. I, I, that's what I, honestly, I honestly thought that. We had rich people in our church. I thought we'd raise 15 million rand. It would be an amazing start. We'll put all the deposits down and we'll go. And we took up the offering with a big church. We took up the offering and 50,000 rand came in. And I cried for two days and I said to him, I'm a useless leader. I've missed God. Let's get back in our car and drive to Durban and just go and put our tails between my legs. And we've got a little hamburger business, my sister and I. thought, let's go and sell hamburgers. I felt God say to me, you must give away everything because you don't have the capabilities of building the church. So I said, Lord, like when everything, what do you mean everything? I felt God say, you must give away everything. And so friends, I stand up here and say that I'm on the other side of a building project and I thank God for the privilege of taking me through it. So the first thing I did is give away my car. I just gave it away and I walked and the more I walked, the crosser I got. And I thought, I'm 50 years old and I'm walking. I'm either going through menopause, which is a possibility for men, on pause. I'm either going through menopause or I'm having a midlife crisis. But I'm walking and I'm not happy. And I felt God say, you're walking because I've got to get down to the depths of your heart. I've got to do something deep down inside. Friends, our job is not to make money so we can buy a house in Nazna and collect shells. I'm talking to you rich people. 
the accumulation of your wealth, some of you got nest eggs to last for your grandchildren's grandchildren. And God wants to touch it. And you're saying, hey, God, don't touch that. I remember baptizing people in the sea in Durban. We used to lead a church down there. And they used to take out their wallets and take off their watches and take out their car keys and put it down and say, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, I get baptized, but don't touch my time, don't touch my status, and don't touch my money. Now, when you get baptized, you get baptized with your watch, your wallet, and your car keys. It all goes under the water. So when God says, I'm making a request of your time and of your money right now, you say, Lord God, how, how much, for how long? Amen? And I stopped my salary for 22 months. So I'm not up here trying to tell you what to do. I'm just telling you the journey God took me on. I stopped my salary for 22 months. I've got four children. I have to travel. And somehow, by the mercy of God, I'm still standing here. And the 1,500 people that God has added to us since we built our building was God, what God was getting me ready for. He's not trying to pay off a building project. He's trying to get your hearts ready to prepare you for the people that he's going to send to you. And the only way he can do that is if he touches the holy things of your life, like your money and your cars. And people say, must I give my car away? Just do what God tells you to do. Don't do what God told me to do. God told me to give my car away. And then after about a long time, a man from Cape Town told me a long time of walking. But I would start to get picked up by people and say, why are you walking? And say, oh, long story, bro. Long, so you say, you're happy about it? I said, not at all. I said, but why are you doing it? I said, because God told me to give my car away. Uh, you believe in God? Yes, I believe in God. How are you doing? I'm not really doing well. How's your marriage? Really battling? Pull over. Pray. One supernatural encounter after the next because God told me to give my car away. He can look after a building project. He just said, I want to use your car for it. And after 22 months of not having a salary, my daughter decided to get engaged and we had to go and get the wedding dress. So we, we walked into the, the wedding shop. I want to tell you, every business is a business. Because wait until you marry your daughter. And we walked into this wedding shop and she chose the wedding dress and the lady, beautiful lady, said to me, so who's the cash master? Who's paying for this? I said, it's me. And I said to my daughter and to her new mother-in-law and to Mel, you go out. And, and I looked at her and I just burst out crying. And she said, why are you crying? I said, because I don't have the money to pay for my daughter's wedding dress. She said, why? I said, because I'm busy building the church. And I remember getting into my car and just bursting. I was a friend of mine's car, just bursting out crying. And saying, Lord, I've built your bride. I've looked after your church for 30 years. And I can't even pay for my own daughter's wedding dress. And the next day, a man from Cape Town phoned me and he said, hey, Rory, I had a dream about you last night. I said, yes, what was your dream? He said, I had a dream of you in a wedding shop. I said, really? And what was the dream? He said, I had a dream of your daughter trying on wedding dresses and you were unable to pay the bill. I said, that's the truth, my friend. And he said, God told me I must buy your daughter's wedding dress. You see, friends, is it a building project or is it a deep reliance upon God where we stop relying on the purposes of the earth or the resources of the earth and we tap into another sphere? I don't want your money. I want to invite you on a journey that many of you haven't been on for years. I've, I deal with church finances all over the country, actually all over the world. And this is the biggest problem. 
with church finances. They're run by accountants. And God is not an accountant and God is not an economist. He's a father and a farmer. And most churches who chartered accountants have got budget systems in place to say this is not wise. Friends, building is not wise. Building in COVID is not wise. Building in an economic crunch down is not wise, but it's not wisdom that God is calling for. It's a radical obedience. Amen? And so if you get the accountant speaking and the businessman speaking, they'll tell you about the fuel price, they'll tell you about the government, they'll tell you about the economic policies of South Africa, and you'll never build. Or has God called you to build a church because he wants people to get saved? It's not a building project on finances. It's an investment in the area for people's salvation. That's it. So every cent you put in there is for the salvation of someone. Now I stand in that church. The church is absolutely packed. Packed. Six baptisms last week. A whole lot of baptisms this week. A headmaster from one of the major schools got baptized in his school uniform. Today the captain of the first team rugby gets baptized with all the boys from that school in their rugby uniform standing next to the baptism pool. I never invested in a building. I invested in people. And God is calling you to do the same. Amen? You know, when Jesus was born, he was the King of kings, he was the Lord of lords, he was God, he was at the right hand of the Father. And when he came to earth, God put him into a womb. Say womb. You know what, you know, you know what the light is in the womb? There's no light there, it's just dark. It's just like... How's it feel? And you do this all the time. I don't know why they do that. And then, then people walk up to your pregnant wife and they rub her tongue. I say, I'll rub your face, bro. <laughs> Story, eh? <laughs> it's the most bizarre thing. A stranger can walk up to a pregnant woman and say, how's the baby? God put the king of kings into a womb for nine months before the kingdom of God was birthed. I'll tell you what a building project is. It is putting you under restriction for a period of time until the kingdom of God is birthed. You can kick out, you can kick through, you can have premature birth, or you can say, God is putting me under restriction for a season. Listen to me, Lonnie's. That includes the upgrade of your car. And where you go on holiday. And your Woolworths account. And you say to me, gee, Rory, how we do? No, that's how you do it. Because God is busy with us. He, he, he can give me a, a holy fiance. He, he can pay for my daughter's wedding dress, but he needs me under restriction. Where for a season of my life, only three times in 30 years, my extra goes towards the kingdom of God. And you can kick it. Or you can accept the restriction as a gift from God. We have a racist Afrikaans man in our church. And he's happy to tell me I'm a racist. And then we go overseas, just before lockdown, to Qatar, to the Middle East. There are 20 of us, and they allocate us families to stay with. And 19 of us stay with white families, and he stays with a... Say it? Exactly. He stays with a black family. And he says, did you organize this? I said, I didn't, but I think God did. <laughs> he says, I'll give you 500 US dollars if you swap me. I said, it's not worth it, China. The lessons you're about to learn are priceless. 
They're still friends today. They're still friends today. He came back from that preach, from that conference. He came back. And we had a black guy, one of my friends from the Congo. He came to South Africa. couldn't speak English. He learned English. He got a diploma. After his diploma, he got a degree. After his degree, he's got his honors. After his honors, he went down to Stellenbosch. He got his master's in engineering. He can speak six different languages, including Afrikaans. And he got up to preach. And he said, you can serve God with stones or you can serve God with bread. It's easy to serve God with stones. You just pick up a stone and say, here we are, God. I'll serve you with this. Or you must go and grow wheat and you must, you must knead it and you must bake it and you must roll it and you must cook it. And, and then you say, God, here's my bread. And that Afrikaans man's heart broke. And he walked into my office shaking like a leaf. And, and he said, Rory, I never thought in my life that I would learn the word of God from a black man. And he said, yeah, one million rand. Here is my new land cruiser, which I'm sowing into your building project. God can deal with racism. God can deal with, you name it, he can deal with it in a building project if you'll just open up your heart to what God is doing. He's busy with you. You know what David says? Are you with me? I hope you're being highly offended and deeply encouraged at the same time. Because the reality, friends, it has to come from you. I keep saying to good people, the good news is the money's raised, the bad news is still in your account. But the transfer, the transfer when you understand it's not financial, is not difficult. It's not difficult. I always say this, life's too short to wear rubbish watches. And I've got a rubbish watch. I had a beautiful watch collection. Beautiful. Panerais, Rolexes, collected over many years. And God said from David in 1 Chronicles 29, he gave his treasured possessions away. And started, started giving all my treasured possessions away to the building project, to my friends, to my family. So now I just wear a rubbish watch. And people say, when will God give you another one? I don't know. Maybe he won't. But you know, it still tells the time. But, but that was my treasured possession. And God said, I want to touch your treasured. I want to touch what's treasured to you. So that when a man from prison, Giovanni, with tattoos of AK-47s on his face and the headmaster of Waterkloof get baptized in the same pool on the same Sunday and they stand there, a convict and a headmaster, when they stand there, I will show you what my treasured possession is. That it's not a watch or a land cruiser. Or a set of fancy pens. Because God took my whole pen collection away. Got sewed. I had a beautiful Mont Blanc pen collection gone. Because God wants to get to the treasure in your heart. And sometimes he can only do that by removing the material from you. Amen? You with me? You know friends, I, I saved for many years to buy my son. A 21st present. A beautiful tag watch like a top-of-the-range tag watch for his 21st. I gave it to him. I was in Cape Town just before the lockdown, and our accountant sent me a picture of a tag box. He said, Let's, look what got put into the offering today. And my heart sank. I thought, ooh, I hope it's not my son. And I said, please open the box and take a picture of the watch. And he opened the box and he took the picture of the watch. It was my son's watch. I phoned him. I said, son, what did you do today? He said, dad... 
you taught us that we must give our treasured possessions to God. Now he works for Dean. That's my treasured possession, my friend. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians 8 in case you don't think I preach the Bible. You with me? I hope you're deeply encouraged. So this is not the... It's not a noose that God's put around your neck. It's a gift that he's given to you. Checker checkers, just up the street. <laughs> Woolly's going to take a hit. <laughs> you think I'm joking? How long, Rory? It depends how long it's going to take for God to get to the bottom of your heart. Verse 7. But just as you excel, 2 Corinthians 8, verse 7. But just as you excel in everything, say excel. How many of you want to be excellent? Now lift your hands. Who wants to be excellent? Put your hands up high. Excellent teacher. My sister's an excellent teacher. I think she's a flipping excellent girlfriend, Shana, by the way. But I don't want to be a girlfriend for the rest of her life. You know what I'm saying? I reckon she'll make an excellent fiance. You know what I'm saying? Say excellent. I mean, we, we live in a life of excellence, don't we? I mean, you don't go to school to play fifth team, eh? You, you, you might end up playing fourth team, but you want to be excellent. You want to do the best you can do with the resources that you have. That's what excellence is. Now, some buildings are nicer than ours. Some buildings are less than ours. But, but excellence is doing the best you can with the resources that you have. But just as you excel in everything... In faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. Say grace of giving. Grace is not law. Uh, giving is not law. And giving is not manipulation. And giving is not a preacher standing up with his veins popping out of the neck saying, we want your money. Giving is a grace. In the same way that God gave his son to us, we give our finances back to him. Exactly the same way. You see, we think if you got two, give to the one who's got none. But that's not the way God worked. The way God worked, he said, I have my one and only son. God so loved the world that he? Say it. Say it loudly. That's how he expressed his love. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. His one and only Toyota Fortuna. I didn't know how to cook and I didn't know how to catch Uber. So my wife went away with our car, her car. Now I'm stuck with a colored mate of mine. He's come to stay at my house and I don't know how to catch Uber and I don't know how to order Uber foods. And I'm stuck there. I'm looking at him and he's looking at me. I said, you're hungry, bro? He said, yeah. I said, have you ever had a blueberry feta and biltong salad? He said, never in my life. I tell you, it's the first salad I've ever made. It's the greatest salad made in Pretoria. Blueberry feta and biltong salad because I didn't know how to catch Uber and I didn't have a car. And God will start to teach you all sorts of things. Say excel in the grace of giving. I've known many excellent rugby players. I know many excellent advocates. I know many excellent mothers. I've been in the church for 30 years. I've met very few excellent givers. Not the amount, it's the heart. 
I remember we went meeting for six months and I put up on the board a million rand, bow forms, a hundred rand building fund. And I put up on the board, I said, this is how we build the church. English and Afrikaans, million rand, hundred rand. Came in about 12 seconds difference. Afrikaans guy came to me and says, this is how we build the church. The Afrikaans guys pay for it. <laughs> I said, whatever, China. So I got off the pulpit. If you can't understand Afrikaans, I'll put it in your language. So this old tunny comes to me and says, Sian, will you for this building? Son, do you want to pay for this building? I say, yeah, tunny, I will betal. He says, Sian, that million rand is from my man. That million rand is from my husband. I say, tunny, I don't know, it's unbekend. I don't know, tunny, it's, it's anonymous. She said, Sien, will you betal? I said, yeah, Tani, I will betal. She said, that million rand is from my man, and this is not geld for him. I said, Tani, what must I do? She said, you must die here for him to play. You must ask God to bother him. I said, what, Tani? She said, ask die here for him to play. She said, three times, I said, here, play him. Play him, here. Six weeks later, I get this Uemi, I mean, we're all on internet now. He's got that double checkbook. You know that, 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 that double checkbook? He comes in there shaking like this. He says, son, the Lord is bothering me. <laughs> I thought, wow, really? He says, hey, I gave a million bucks, and I thought I was Mr. Generous, but God told me I must give another million. Son, another million, and a check gave it to me. He says, please ask God to stop bothering me now. <laughs> So every now and again, I just under my breath, I say, Lere, plaom nog a bikie. Are you with me, friends? Not a financial thing. Excel. Say excel in the grace of giving. It's not a law. It's not a command. It's not a, it's just, it's a grace. Everything in the Bible about giving is willing. They gave willingly, they gave willingly, they gave willingly. If you feel forced or manipulated, you mustn't give a cent. Willingly, willingly. For the next year or 18 months, you will be under restriction if you're part of this church. It will affect where you go on holiday. Can I go on holiday overseas, Rory? Oh, you can, of course you can. But might God change your plans? I think he might. I think he might. He said, but I work so hard. I desire, no, God's put you into a church to teach you about a few things, to get you ready for the people he's going to send to you. So I don't know what to do. So let me put up this little journey God took me on. If you can put the first, so the day, don't do this. I've served God for 30 years and God works with me at number plates. If you watch number plates, you'll do something stupid. So don't do it. Okay. Don't do it. I read the Bible and I watch number plates. That's how I work. So don't do it. It won't work. You'll do something very, very dumb. So the day before lockdown, there were, I was in Joburg in a meeting, and there were eight cars in a row. One. Next one. No, next car. Next slide. Two. Next one. Three. Next one. And God said to me, we're going into lockdown. Read Psalm 46. And Psalm 46 says, be still and know that I am God. And I said, Lord, how are we going to raise the money? 91 million rand. He said, well, you can't. You must just be still and know that I'm God. And I said, Lord, but how do I lead it? He says, no, you can't. You're too dumb. You must just pray. And so I prayed. 
And I prayed. And I just prayed. And every time my heart got worried, I just prayed. And I prayed. And I prayed. And I prayed. And people say, how much prayer is in here? It doesn't really matter. This is between me and God. This is the journey that God took me on to prepare me for the 1,500 people he is going to put in my church. Because where I was and where we are now, I didn't have enough faith to hold them. Because they're convicts and they're black. And we've got a whole lot of gay people visiting us. And they're saying, are we welcome here? I said, I don't believe in what you're doing, but you are welcome here. And God's taking me on a journey with them. And he's, we, we're walking together and we're crying together and we're praying and we're fasting and we're asking God and we're doing some deep work. And then our money ran out completely. I was catching a lift to Joburg and I said, God, you told me be still and know that I'm God. And I've been still and I've prayed and I've cried and I've done everything, Lord God, but there is no money. I was catching a lift to Joburg. This is the car that came in front of me. And God said, now be still and know that I am God. And that night, our building guy will be here later on at the 10 o'clock service. That night, we got 600,000 rand. And I tell you what, have you ever seen charismatics dance for 600 grand? <laughs> we were whoop whooping and whoop whooping and boop whooping and doing the whole lot. And then we had an elders prayer meeting and one of our elders said, this money is not ours, we must give it away. I'm thinking, mm, be still. <laughs> be st and you know what? We gave the money away, 600,000, and we gave it away to somebody else who's dumb enough to build, and then we had zero money left, and I went on holiday. And the guy said, what are you going to do? I said, God told me, be still and know that he is God. He'll build a church. He's, I've got 22 months of salary that I haven't earned. I've got no car. I've got no money, but I'm going on holiday. And he said, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to relax, and I hired a golf cart. And you say to me, Rory, but you chose it. No, I hide it at the bottom, and it came from the top, and God said, now you go and play golf, and you enjoy your holiday with your sons, and, and I'll build the church, okay? And three days later, I invited a friend from Mossel Bay to come and play golf with me, and this is how he came. What did God speak to you? But what did God speak about your building? You've been on this land. You bought it in 2008. You moved here three years ago. There are promises that God has over your land, Simon. And elders, there are promises that God has for you. You bought this. You think, but Lord, I've only got two fish and five loaves. Well, then bring them. Bring them. Hide people come with, with, with gold coins to shake like this. People come with necklaces. You see, the issue is not the amount. The issue is your heart. Are you prepared to put your treasured possession into the next project that God has for you so you can get deep into your heart? When we got to the halfway line, to the halfway, just keep that picture up. Don't take it off. Do you know what that is? For you fish lovers, that's not sushi. You know what that is? Hey? Krugerrands. Don't, don't take it off. Keep it up there. When we got to the halfway, that picture, that picture was on my phone sent by our building manager. 
He said, a single girl drove in here with a polo golf. She had a mask on. She said, don't ask me my name. Don't ask me my telephone number. Don't ask me where I've come from. And don't try and follow me up. In 1975, you can do the mathematics. 46 years ago, God spoke to my father and said he must buy gold to give to a church that makes him happy. And we woke up this morning and God says, your church makes him happy. She dropped that. That's six million rand. She dropped it off. She got in her car and she drove away. You see, friends, before you get there, you need to access it through steps of faith. You've got to withhold your car payment. You've got your, your, your car upgrade. You've got to, and, and, and as we start to sow into the kingdom of God, he's got resources stuck all over the place. He's got lots of people with gold in this church and in this community and unsaved people who drive past here. This is on the way to sell the gold. I'm nearly finished, Simon. I've got two minutes. I don't even get... I'm Rory Dyer, hey? We're going to sell the gold now. Be still and know that I'm God, Rory Dyer. And the guy who bought the gold is Mr. Kruger. The next one. And that's his number plate. Mr. Kruger, when we come out there. And our building contractors fund Linda Fenter. And we're behind on payments now. We've lost a couple of payments. We need to catch up. And my accountant phones me and says, fund Linda Fenter, VV is on their boards. Fund Linda Fenter want their, their money. And this is the car in front of me. Be still and know that I'm God, Rory Dyer. Be still and know that I'm God, Mr. Kruger. Be still and know that I'm God, fund Linda Fenter. I showed this to our elders. I said, you must read more Bible and less number plates. So I said, okay, Lord, will you, show me and will you show me that I'm on the right track? This is what came. When I went to pick my boys up, I felt God say, I'll double bless you. Tell your elders to trust you as you walk with me. And then I had a son who was at Hilton last year. And I've got a little boy, a lot, Lamiki, and he, he, he wasn't keen to go to Hilton, but I sent him down there anyway. I said, go to Hilton and have a look at Hilton, and maybe you like it. And he came back, he said, I don't know if I really like it, Dad. So I said, okay, we'll go to St. Albans, and we'll go and meet the headmaster at St. Albans, and we'll see if, if the headmaster at St. Albans. And we walked into the headmaster's office at St. Albans, and that's the poster. My daughter's bedroom was sacrificed to God, and I reaped a holy fiancé. I gave my car to God and he chose the school for my son. What you're involved in is not a building project. What you're involved in is one of the greatest spiritual journeys that God will allow you to participate in. It's not a money journey, but it is going to demand your money. It's not a car journey, but he might demand your car. A man phoned me and when, you, when I drive out there, I don't think I'm some Lani. I still don't have money and I still don't have a car. And I've got a rubbish watch. And I don't want yours. And they say pastors can hint. A man phoned me from Cape Town and said, I heard you gave your car away. I said, yes. He said, what do you drive now? I said, I don't. It's like walk and see more, China. <laughs> he said, I've got a job promotion. I get two cars. And my wife's an invalid. I'd like you to have the second car. So he came up and said, for one year, you've got a brand new BMW. We went in there. He took the X5. I got an X3 and I drove it for a year. And after a year, I phoned him. I said, it's been the most amazing blessing. He said, well, just leave it in your garage. I'll come and pick it up. When I got back, there was another 
brand new X3 in my garage. And I said, what is this? He said, how many months did you walk for? I said, I walked for seven. He said, God told me for every month you walked, I must give you a new BMW. Now he drives the X3 and I've got the X5 parked in there. And I will drive around like a Lani pastor, prosperity gospel, China. <laughs> I can go up the road there. You know the story where you had pastor parks here. You know what I'm saying, eh? Or I fly in. I just flew in in my X5 BMW. I don't own one cent of it. But you know what? God took me on a journey. And I trust I'm softer. I trust I'm gentler. I trust I can see my wife better. Trust I can see you better, my darling. I trust I'm more gentle with my friends. I trust that I have the capacity to handle Giovanni the convict and Chris the headmaster of Watercliffe. And the only way that God could do that was actually touching my treasured possessions. I'm materialistic, I'm arrogant, I'm self-sustaining. I've got an answer for everything. But I couldn't raise 91 million rand in the midst of COVID, in the midst of an economic crisis, because God never asked me to. He just asked me to journey with him, to be obedient to him. God's hand is on your church. It's always been on your church. His goodness is upon your church. His kindness and favor is upon your church. I remember being in an elders meeting. I don't know if you were there, Vaughan. But I felt God say, I must break a poverty mindset over your church. And I sent our accountant who was standing in a circle. Were you there, Vaughan? We were standing in a circle. I told our accountant to go draw 10,000 rand bundles of cash. Is that right, everyone? And I threw it into all of your elders' hands. 10,000 rand. And the Spirit of God, I remember I came upon Stephen Jack. The Spirit of God just hit him. Bah! You're a generous church. This is not financial, but it will affect everything financial in your life. God bless you.